Kate DiCamillo is a Minnesota storytelling treasure. She's written over 30 books for readers of all ages and is the recipient of several awards. She's a rare two-time winner of the Newbery Medal for Distinguished Children's Literature for her books The Tale of Despero and Flora and Ulysses. Her newest books include The Puppets of Spellhorst and Mercy Watson is Missing, and she has a couple more books coming out this spring. One is a novel called Ferris, and the other a picture book called Oris and Timble, The Beginning. Kate is also a big advocate for reading aloud to children, crediting her own teachers, as well as librarians, for keeping stories alive this way. So we invited our own children's librarian, Tracy Campa from the Grand Rapids Area Library, to have a conversation with Kate DiCamillo about books and writing and reading. Your character names are unforgettable. We have folks such as Answelica and Edic, Ramey Nightingale, Jack Dory, Miggery Sow, Louisiana Elefante, Baby Lincoln, Edward Tulane the Rabbit, Ulysses the Squirrel, Despero Tilling, and so many more. Do you name your characters before you write them, or do their names come as you write? Sometimes the character name will show up first, and I, I have learned to, like, um, I uh, always have a notebook with me and to jot those down when they show up. But there are times like when you like rattled off Louisiana Elefantes, <laughs> you know, I started off knowing the name of Ramey. Um, and then it was one of those things that will happen sometimes where it's just like, well, who's standing here twirling a baton with her? It's like, boom, her name is Louisiana Elefante. Everything, everything about writing is hard for me, except for the names. I don't know where they come from, but I've learned to write them down when they show up. So speaking of things being difficult to write, mm. how do you balance your need to write the story with the reader's need to read your stories? Are you at all thinking about your readers as you write? Or do you mainly let your characters be the guide to the end of the story? Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, if I thought just about the reader, I think that I would mess up. Um, I think that because then I would go into um, trying to please. Sure. And that is no way to write a story, you know. So I always feel like my job is to get out of my own way, um, which means not worrying about pleasing people and to try to push my ego out of the way and to let the story uh, tell me where to go. So I, I, I always feel like my job is to listen to the story. And which of your stories has surprised you the most as you wrote it? Wow, which one surprised me the most? Probably, you know, it, it might be Edward Tulane because mm -hmm. it surprised me in that, um, that thing where I said that everything about writing is hard for me. When I'm telling a story, I'm walking down a dark hallway and I can see a, a, a very narrow thing of light underneath the door at the end. And uh, Edward Tulane kind of like wrote itself. Um, it was, uh, and, and I remember having the absolutely ridiculous thought, oh, I guess I figured out how to write a novel. <laughs> 
Um, but I hadn't, it was just that that one was a gift and um, the gift of it was a very big surprise. So would you explain how you feel that, and this is a quote from a PBS piece you did, how you feel that reading out loud is like entering a safe room? Yeah, it's something happens with reading aloud and I'll, I, I, I'm sure there is some science on it, but in my experience, um, it's, it's like everybody, when you enter into a story together, uh, uh, either if a teacher's reading to a room or a parent is reading to a kid or a kid is reading to a parent, it's like um, everybody kind of lets their guard down and they enter the story together. And it lets something miraculous happen, which is because our guards are down, we get to connect in ways that we don't anticipate because we're in the story together. It's uh, I, and I'm sure there's some science. I don't have it. I just have um, what I hear from teachers who. Uh, and let me just uh, anytime I get to get anywhere near my soapbox, let me get up there and say, teachers who read aloud to their classes are changing lives and saving lives and no one ever really thinks to thank them. So I want to thank them. And I know librarians um, do that reading aloud too. Uh, but I, I just remember my second grade teacher reading um, out loud every day after lunch, novel after novel. And um, I was a kid who got stories at home. I, I got taken to the library. Um, my, my mother uh, read to me, bought me books and I cannot tell you how much it mattered to me that Mrs. Boyette read to us every day. So I also want to plug a reading aloud. I was lucky enough to be a school librarian for 14 years. I've been a public librarian for 16. Um, and I had wonderful experiences of young adults who would come back to me. Um, I was in the grocery store line at one point and there was a young gentleman bagging my groceries. And he just said, do you still read Harriet the Spy? Ugh, so and I said, I, I was startled at first and I looked and because, you know, they change a lot between third grade and, you know, 25 years old. Um, thankfully, he had a name tag on and I recognized it. And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And he said, good. That's the best book I have ever heard in my life. Oh. And for him to carry that that far, that is astounding. I also used to read Tale of Despero to first graders and people used to say, isn't that an older kid book? And I said, no, it's perfect first grade fodder. I did it for a dozen years because some first graders could hear the story of the cute little mouse. Some first graders could understand Migri Sow's need to be a princess. And some first graders even understood Gregory down in the depths of the castle and how he wasn't necessarily a bad guy down there. And yeah. so um, it was a perfect characterization to read with first grade. Which goes to that thing of like that kids take what they need mm -hmm. from the stories, which is another thing that happens with read aloud, you know, because, because you feel safe, you can consider other lives, see your own in a way that, oh, wow, that terrible thing is happening and to somebody else too. I'm not alone. It's not, it's not as much shame filled, you know? So yep. it's just, it's big, powerful things happen with reading aloud. 
This is what we're reading on KAXE, KBXE, and we're listening to a conversation between Grand Rapids Area Library Children's Librarian Tracy Campa and Minnesota writer Kate D. Camillo. The very last Mercy Watson book was just released. How do you know when a series is finished? Have the characters gone quiet? Do you just need to step away? Or is it merely a pivot? In this case, perhaps to a pigeon. <laughs> I would like to pivot to that pigeon. And I'll tell you something about Mercy Watson. I could write Mercy Watson for the rest of my life. I could write Decorou Drive for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I would be perfectly happy. Um, Chris Van Dusen, who is the genius illustrator for those books. And those books, Mercy Watson cannot happen without Chris. Um, and Chris um, writes himself and also illustrates his own books. And unbelievably, he wants to concentrate on some of his books for a while. So, you know, we're saying that that's the last um, Dekawu Drive um, and, you know, maybe the last Mercy Watson, but if Chris decides that he wants to do some more, I've got some more stories to tell, so. Some more ideas. Yeah. That's excellent. And finally, is there something you wish I had asked you? Is there anything you want to tell our listeners of North Central and Northeastern Minnesota? Uh, well, I want to say hello. I want to say um, I'm proud to be a Minnesotan. And I want to say um, that, you know, wait, I'm going to get right back up on my soapbox. One, I feel like I have been the luckiest person in the world to get to do this for a living. And two, go and read to somebody. If you're a kid, you can read to your uh, parents uh, as they're getting ready for work. If you're a parent, you can read to your kids at night. If you're um, 50 years old, you can go into uh, the nursing home and read to a resident. Um, kids' books are particularly good for that because they're not as, you know, a kid's novel um, is easy to read and easy to digest for uh, somebody who's in pain and feels alone. And then the last thing that I want to say is that I never thought to thank Mrs. Boyette for all that reading aloud. And so I would just like to say to all the teachers and librarians and parents who are doing that, thank you. 